You know, the Jews in Iraq, we had Jews in Iraq. And, and uh, when they were forced to leave in 1948 and 19, after the 1967 war with Israel, when they were forced to leave, uh, we were so sad about, you know, these are like peaceful people to us. And they said, remember, Saturday comes before Sunday. You're next. Welcome to the Life is for the Living podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Richmond. In the past five episodes, we have been listening to clips from all six of our guests. But in this one, we're going to turn away a bit from that format to focus on the only guests that immigrated as adults, Makram and Hana. Makram was born in Baghdad, and Hana was born in northern Iraq, but moved to Baghdad as a child. Both were members of the Christian minority, although of different sects. Makram's career and education meant that they traveled quite a bit before their final immigration to the United States, and this included stays in Switzerland, England, and two years spent in Madison, Wisconsin, while Makram got his master's degree. We have already learned about their experiences in the first Gulf War that led them to immigrate and what they went through to immigrate. So in this episode, we're going to examine their lives in Iraq under Saddam Hussein as Christians, their first introduction to American culture, and Hannah's most recent trip back to Iraq. Christians became the minority in Iraq after the Arab invasion of Persia in the 1600s. Prior to that, the area had been religiously diverse, with Christians making up the majority in some locations. Jumping forward to the present day, Christians have survived in that area partly by focusing on education and avoiding politics. Normally, we are minority. We were considered minority after the invasions of the Arabs and and uh, uh, turning the country into an Islamic country. We were, I mean, we had, we did, we did not get to get involved in politics. And not, I mean, the majority do not like to go into politics. So we concentrated on, the, on our education. And the focus on education is very clear from Makram's description of his childhood. We had a house and... Uh, it was paid for by my hardworking parents. My father was uh, an auditor, and uh, my mom used to help him uh, sew things at home, so to make a good living. And then we went to all private schools. So my elementary school, my mom had for for her primary school a french uh nun school so she had to study three languages she said you are going to study three languages too so she put us into this this school and we we uh we learned french uh, arabic and english for all primary school and then we were accepted in the, I was accepted at least in the, uh, in Baghdad College, which is a, an, a high school that was run by the Jesuits from Boston. 
And we, uh, we are, like, I'm eternally indebted for their knowledge and how they educate people. And every time I teach, the first thing I say, English is my third language, but I speak good English because I was taught by the Jesuits from Boston. I, I, it's, it's kind of like uh, a duty for me to appreciate their contribution to the education in Iraq. Unfortunately, they were kicked out in 1968 and 69. And then I went to, to the... Um, to the university, which was also run by them, and did my engineering degree there. Saddam Hussein, the fifth president of Iraq, ruled from 1976 to 2003 when he was captured by American forces. While life under Saddam and his Ba'athist party was far from ideal, it was livable, at least if you didn't pose a threat to his rule. Nonetheless, religious tensions were never far from the surface. Okay. In Saddam's time, the, the Christians were okay. Nobody will touch you. Nobody will bother you. Actually, in Easter time, they give two days for the Christian holiday, while here it's only Sunday and the same Sunday, and they don't give you a second day. Okay? So the Christians there, they have two days. They have a Christmas off. They have a New Year off. That's not including the off, which is paid. This is all paid holidays. Generally, okay. As long as you do not interfere in politics, yeah. you're okay. Yeah. However, they will envy you discreetly. So you, you, you don't feel it. Like, for instance, if, 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 if I go to, uh, to have any uh, uh, formality in a government institution, when they see my, my grandfather's name, which is the Christian name, Makram Anwar Putras, Putras is Peter, Murad al-Sheikh, it will take longer than if I only go with Makram Murad al-Sheikh. So, so that, that somehow they discreetly try to give you problems, although they have strict rules by the government not to do so, but individually they they not they're not. Uh, on, at one time we had a a neighbor. We used to like every feast, uh, their feast. We would go, we would uh, uh, my mom would make a cake for them and we would take it to them. All of a sudden, one time, they sent the cake back after half an hour after the kids like took some of it. And they said, we don't want cakes anymore. And we were offended, but what can you do to them? I mean, they're nice people, but this is what they teach them, uh, that they should be, we're, we're, we're not clean, basically. They don't, they, the infidels are not clean people. So intrinsically, there is discrimination on the outside that they, they don't show that. But... This doesn't mean that there are good. Uh, there aren't any good Muslims. We have we have very good uh, Muslim friends, and we cherish their friendship. And this was the state of Iraq when Makram and Hannah left for Madison, Wisconsin, for Makram's master's degree. The first experience of America was not what they expected. Before we moved there, I went alone. 
to register and all, and then see what's going on and all that. But instead of having to drag two kids with us, and 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 uh, when we finished the first day, the interesting part is that a lady uh, who works in the foreign student office, uh, we got introduced to her because about the end of the day, the gentleman who was running all my work paperwork, he said. Uh, you have to come tomorrow. You have to be here tomorrow too. And and and, uh, and mind you, like, where, do, where are you going to stay? And I said, well, maybe I find a hotel. Uh, he said, do you, mind, do you mind if you want to stay with an American family? And so a, a lady came in, drove in, and, and I got introduced to her. So she uh, took me home and... Uh, her husband is a Delta airline pilot. She has four kids. One of them adopt, adopted. And, um, and she has a room with a bathroom in the lower floor. And they live up, up uh, the stairs. The rule was to stay for two days maximum uh, to get to know the place and all that in Madison, Wisconsin. And then after that, yeah, I told her I have a family. She said, you, they can come in too. I said, we have two children. One is six months old. So I had four. You're going to cry in the, in the, at night. So they cried at night too. So what's the deal? I thought, well, I said, okay, fine. Uh, she said, you have to come at least 10, year, 10 days before class starts because the apartment that you're going to get is going to be empty. This is student housing. And I didn't know. I thought that it was all furnished. And she said, I'll help you with that. I said, but your rule is only two days. She said, no, we like you. <laughs> so the first day I arrived alone at that time, they took me to McDonald's and to a Superman movie. She said, he said, you are now American. <laughs> you, you, you're exposed to the American culture. So, oh my God. <laughs> During that time also, we had a, a paperwork to, to fill in. And one of them was a card for Thanksgiving. And I didn't know what Thanksgiving was all about. But he, yeah, just, throw, just write if yes or no. And I said, yes. <laughs> so I put yes. And then in November, uh, a family out of nowhere called us. Are you still interested to come to Thanksgiving and, you know, and celebrate it with us? And I said, yeah, sure. And before that, we had an experience of uh, our first, uh, the first Sunday we were in the United States, we, um, we thought we'd go to church. So there's a Catholic church. Uh, we look for Catholic church because we're Catholic in the university. So, so we went there, and as we were walking, I said, maybe there will be some three or four families only. And then we opened the door, and oh, my God, like, this is full. And they had to make place for us so that we can come with the two kids, and we are new, so they want to, you know, welcome us. And then when we, we left, I told her, like, is this the same United States that the... Iraqi government with Saddam Hussein at that time um, uh, was showing us on the movies how bad 
it is and people are killing each other and everybody's fornicating and whatnot. Uh, these, these are Christian families and they're going to church in full. We were, at that time, we were like just different. And then when we went to this uh, gentleman's parents' house and Thanksgiving, and everybody joined in prayer. And I said, my God, like this is what a different th- impression we had before. While Makram worked on his degree, Hannah took care of their two children and learned English. During my study, she took care of the kids. I don't have to worry about what's happening in the house because I'm studying. That's how I get A's in the, in the courses. Actually, the professors came first to me to, you know, for before him. They said, because of you, he, he, he did well. Yeah, well... We know why we are there. Like, uh, I, I wasn't working. I have two kids. I wasn't even allowed to work with that when he was studying. So I enjoyed my. The first thing he brought me a TV. I learned the English from the TV. I started watching that soap opera since that, from that time. And as with all immigration experiences, there are stories of cultural differences. These can range from differences in etiquette when I first came in uh, Wisconsin and went to a class, it was a lab. And who was teaching us was a colleague, master's degree, but a, a year ahead of me. He was in shorts and he was in, uh, uh, without any shoes. And he sat on the, on the um, desk. desk with his uh, foot against us. This is extremely disrespect to, to us in, in our culture. So we cannot do that. We cannot even cross our legs in front of elderly people. You cannot show the sole of your shoes in face of somebody. After finishing, I, I wanted to, uh, f- finishing the first year, it's, it's our culture. We, we'd like to invite the professors, well, I got A, so I'm not, I, I'm not bribing them. So, so they know me. So uh, we brought them in and they enjoyed our, um, our uh, food. And then uh, one of them reciprocated. So <laughs> we went, we went to, uh, this is the culture shock one. So we went to their house. And the lady had, uh, we, we sat at the dining table and she had a buffet on the side and, um, and she put all the food over there and she said, you're welcome to go and get food. So being polite, we poured a little bit of, of each and then we came back and ate and, and then, uh, and then she asked, like, would you like to go again? And we said, no. Because in Iraq, you have to say no three times before uh, you say yes. Yeah. And then we ended up going to McDonald's to, <laughs> <laughs> at, the end of the, at the end of that because, <laughs> because it, we, we didn't say yes. To differences in larger societal mindsets, including the amount of opportunities. A lot of people in Iraq, their goal is to reach... Uh, in the, what is equivalent to the SAT test here, which is the placement test for the universities, 
uh, is to become a doctor or an engineer. Nothing else. Everybody wants to become a doctor or an engineer. Of course, you cannot do that. Because, and you don't have the opportunities in Iraq that you have here. Here, you can like stop high school and go do some work. And then later on, you wanted to continue studies to become a doctor. As long as you take a test and you are okay, then you can go and become a doctor if you want to. And, you know, graduate at age 50. There, the SAT, the government-controlled exam, we call it baccalaurea. If, if you do not get the, the higher grades, you will end up nowhere. You, I mean, your whole future is based on that, those six days that you take the test. If you had a headache of, in one of the exam, you're done. So you don't have the, we don't have the opportunities that you have here in the United States. So, uh, but this is not always good to have these opportunities because my kids, when we came here, they had to make decisions and my God, they cannot make a decision here because there are so many div diverse things that they can do. The amount of debt people are willing to incur. We went into debt. That's fine. Uh, living in one of the things that I, it was out of question to be in debt in, in the United States when we first heard that we have to pay down payment and that the bank owns the thing. And what? Because we never have that in Iraq. There's no, no concept of a loan, at least in my family. We never had a loan. And, and um, our house uh, fully paid for. And, and what constitutes child abuse, which is something that their eldest son figured out pretty quickly. When the first thing when we came, he was like 11 years old. So he learned here they don't spank their kids because they call the police. So the first time he went to school, he came we still in the apartment in Redless before even we moved to the house. The first, the first time. He came the first day and he was saying, Mom, here they don't hit the kids. Uh, Mom, here they call the police to the, to the parents. One time, two times, three times. And then I said, one time. Just, I said, okay, so what's going to happen after they call the police? I know he doesn't know, but I just want to see what he's going to say. He said, uh, um, I don't know. Okay, let me tell you what's going to happen. So here you call the police. So the police will come. They will take you because we are not a good parents. They will put you with other kids, which they also, they don't have a good or they don't have a parents in a big hall all together. It's important to note that Hannah was far from being alone in being surprised by the strictness of American childcare laws. And several of our guests echoed similar opinions, although we ended up not using those clips. Despite the fact that both Makram and Hannah loved living in the United States, and in fact, Makram had job offers, in the end, there was no choice as to whether or not they would go back. And then at the end of, of our stay, is. Uh... Iraq-Iran war went between 1980 to 1988, and we were blessed that they approved that I could come, and I'm not a Baathist. 
which means I'm not a member of the Iraqi government uh, party at that time. But because I was in the higher education system and they they approved me because I'm I don't have any other affiliation with any other party. So uh, and I my all my credentials are good. All my you know reputation is good. So that's why they accepted. And so my mom had to sign. My dad had passed away in 1975. So my mom had to sign two pieces of paper. One is the amount of money that they're going to spend on me. If I don't come back, they will uh, have to get it. And the other one was she personally responsible for my return. And that to the Americans means nothing. But in Iraq, we at the Institute of Technology sent a guy who was a graduate from the Institute. The Institute of Technology is a two-year college degree. So we sent him to the United States to get his bachelor degree in, in civil engineering. He never came back. They sent for his dad, took him in prison, beat him to death until he came back. I couldn't do that to my mom. This is why at the end of my stay, although I had three job offers and I could have stayed in the United States as I pleased and uh, got citizenship then, but I couldn't do that. I had to go back. And so they returned until the Gulf War when they fled to Jordan and then to the United States. After living in the U.S. for years, Hannah went back to visit Iraq. By this time, Saddam had fallen and the country was now in disarray. But it was so sad. It was really because people there, they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if they're going to die tomorrow. They don't know. So nobody cares about like fixing the house, buying stuff. No. While there is food today and we are eat, nobody care. Cholesterol, whatever, nobody care. We're eating today. We are enjoying today because maybe tomorrow we are dead. So that's the way that it used to be. And nobody cared about the street, about, you know, anything. Like, it was so sad. When I came back, friends here, they asked me, Oh, Hannah, tell us, how is Baghdad? I said, I'm not going to tell you what I saw. Just what you have in your mind, the way you know it, keep it in your mind. That's how I'm, I'm not going to say. Because it was, that was still 2001. And then it gets worse in the war 2003 because we have a couple of people, they came later here. And when people start coming and they were telling us what's happening there, we couldn't believe it. Like, really? Like, what are you talking about? Like, because we left, it was maybe the best time. And get worse and worse. And now, as he said, because the Shia Muslims are taking the government and everything, and they are all Sheikh uh, Balloon, like they loved everything's coming with Iran. So Iran now in control, which they were so not allowed before. In Saddam's time, they couldn't even like do anything. Like, but now they are taking care of. The United States thinks that it has boycotted Iran and that Iran is not getting get, uh, getting any money from 
from uh, export and whatnot. Well, Iraq is sending them money. Yeah. So I think the United States failed in, in Iraq as well in, as in Afghanistan. They gave, they gave Iraq to Iran in a golden plate. So they took care, they, they ruined everything because these are two different uh, cultures. So completely different. So there is some Iraqis, they don't even, like even to look at them. But now they are in control for everything. So that's how they ruined the country because it's not their country. It's sad to see, to see Iraq having so much wealth is gone. The average Iraqi is below standard living. Why? Why? We had a wealth. Not, not during this time, but even when, during Saddam. But it was much better that time. Like We left the country because of Saddam, but believe me, we didn't expect one day we're going to say like it was better that, at that time. Like everything's available, everything's there. Not everything is available. Everything is available because Saddam wants it to be available. If he wants to cut it, he can cut it. Yeah, but now they have nothing. Now they have nothing. Nothing. And that's it for this episode of Life is for the Living. Join us next time as we start to move away from the experiences that are unique to immigrants and start exploring more universal human themes, including love, children, and death. If you have any suggestions about future guests, topics, or just want to chat in general, you can reach us at, at Life is for the L on Twitter and Instagram, or email us at lifeisforthelivingpodcast at gmail.com. The Life is for the Living podcast is written by me, Rebecca Richmond, and produced by Marco Burlo. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.